This is the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. An angel went from God to a town called Nazareth to a woman whose name was Mary. The angel said to her, Rejoice, O highly favored, for God is with you. You shall bear a child, and his name shall be Jesus, the chosen one of God most high. And Mary said, I am the servant of my God. I live to do your will. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's hard to prepare a message when you don't know if you're going to have three people or a hundred people <laughs> joining you, and I didn't have uh, too much because uh, there's something that's beautiful and sweet about this day without having to add on and layer on too much. But I did want to uh, just take a moment to give thanks for Mary, the mother of Jesus, who often gets lost in our Christmas celebrations. We often blaze past this Advent forum morning with so much going on uh, when Christmas Eve is not on Uh, or when Christmas Eve is not on Sunday, oftentimes people don't come on the fourth Sunday of Advent because they know they're coming to church later in the week, Uh, and so they miss Mary a good bit. But as you know, this story does not happen without Mary. Um, And I think that often gets lost as we tell and retell the Christmas story. We have all of those men who are gathered at the manger, the shepherd and the wise men and Joseph. We have all the men, our gospel writers, telling the story. And in the center of this story is this woman, Mary, without whom this story does not happen. It made me think of, um, you know, if you've ever been in a delivery room, which I've been in three times, uh, there's all these people in the room. There's the doctors and the nurses and the aides and the spouse that's trying their best to be so encouraging and supportive. Um, But the one doing the work in that delivery room is the woman, is the mother, She's doing all the work, and the rest of us are just bearing witness to that work. Um, After uh, the birth of our children, Jenny would say to me, you were so good in the delivery room. And all I was doing was repeating what the nurses were saying. (laughs) You're doing great. You're doing great. With all those people, she was doing the work. And in the manger and in this story, Mary is the one doing the work, and we must give her praise and honor for that. And it's Mary that does the work in the whole story, in the whole life of Jesus. Um, In the Annunciation that we just heard, the angel comes to Mary, and she says, let it be with me according to your will. She says yes to God uh, when the angel comes to bring her this message. She's the one riding that donkey, nine months pregnant on the way to Bethlehem. She is carrying the Christ child inside her, 
for those nine months. She gives birth in a stable. There's, her cousin Elizabeth is not around, her friends, her family, her neighbors, her nurse. Nobody is around because they've gone from Nazareth to Bethlehem. None of her support network is there, just old Joseph trying his best to be supportive. <laughs> so, Mary is doing the work, um, and all who come, come to see, and uh, the scripture tells us that Mary, she pondered all those things in her heart because she had been living this story and living into this reality uh, as mothers do longer than anybody else, longer than anybody else. Um, and not only at the Christmas story with the Annunciation and carrying Jesus and the birth, but she walks with Jesus his whole life long. It's Mary who is at the foot of the cross when she sees her son being crucified. It's Mary who goes out to the empty tomb among those first to realize that Jesus is risen. It's Mary um, who helped to sustain the early church when uh, Jesus ascended back into heaven. There are these wonderful icons of, the Pente- of Pentecost when the early church is born, and Mary is there amongst the disciples and earlier followers of Jesus. Mary is there all the way through. And so this morning we give praise for Mary. One of my favorite icons, uh, we don't have a lot of, we don't really have icons in the Lutheran Church, but I love icons. Uh, and this is one that stays in my office all the time, and it's an icon of Mary and the Christ child. And when you read about this icon, it's a, a classic one. Icons are, are kind of written and rewritten. They say they, you write icons. Um, but, um, and so the form stays the same. But as I was reading Rowan Williams writing about this icon, what he talks about is Mary's eyes. Um, and they're sad eyes, generally, when you see this icon. And he said, because Mary, even from the very beginning, knew what waited her son. And so in the joy of the birth of Jesus, she also knew, uh, as others had not yet realized as they gathered in the manger, what her son was destined for, and what he would do. And I just wanted to share with you um, a a little writing by Martin Luther about Mary. So Lutherans aren't great about giving honor to Mary. Catholics are much better at it. The Orthodox tradition, much better at it. They call Mary the Theotokos, uh, the God-bearer. Um, and so Mary often has much more of a place of honor in uh, other traditions, other Christian traditions than her own. But um, I'll have you know that Martin Luther, the founder of the Lutheran Church, was very devoted to Mary. He was an Augustinian monk and then eventually left the, the uh, monastery to found this new movement, which became the Lutheran Church. But he was incredibly devoted to Mary all the way through his life. And Luther wrote a series of sermons which have been collected into what's called Martin Luther's Christmas book, which is a very sweet book all about the Christmas story. And this is what he had to say about Mary and uh, speaks to her lowliness and speaks to the miracle of her willingness to bear God's son. He says, among the downtrodden people, she was one of the lowliest, not a maid of high station in the capital city, but a daughter of a plain man in a small town. We may infer that she was of no account because she herself said in her song, he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Who knows whether Joachim and Anna, her parents, were alive at the time. In all likelihood, she was an orphan. 
nor is there the slightest ground for the legend that her parents were wealthy and divided the legacy into three portions, one for the church, one for the poor, and one for Mary. In the village of Nazareth, she appeared as a mere servant, tending the cattle and the house, and no more esteemed than a maid among us who does her appointed chores. Her age was probably between 13 and 15 years. And yet this was the one whom God chose. He might have gone to Jerusalem and picked out Caiaphas' daughter, who was fair, rich, clad in gold-embroidered raiment, and attended by a retinue of maids in waiting, but God preferred a lowly maid from a mean town. Quite possibly, Mary was doing the housework when the angel Gabriel came to her. Angels prefer to come to people as they are fulfilling their calling and discharging their office. The angel appeared to the shepherds as they were watching their flocks, to Gideon as he was threshing the grain, to Samson's mother as she sat in the field. Possibly, however, the Virgin Mary, who was very religious, was in a corner praying for the redemption of Israel. During prayer also, the angels are wont to appear. The angel greeted Mary and said, Hail Mary, full of grace. Dear Mary, said the angel, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. We are unable to tell whether Mary perceived at once that it was an angel who spoke to her. Luke seems to imply that she did not, because he indicates that she was abashed, but not, not so much by his appearance, but by his words. And they were most unusual. O oh, Mary, you are blessed. You have a gracious God. No woman has ever lived on earth to whom God has shown such grace. You are the crown among them all. These words so overwhelmed the poor child that she did not know where she was. Then the angel comforted her and said, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. To this poor maiden, marvelous things were announced, that she should be the mother of the all-highest, whose name should be the Son of God. He would be a king, and of his kingdom there would be no end. It took a mighty reach of faith to believe that this baby would play such a role. Well might Mary have said, Who am I, little worm, that I should bear a king? She might have doubted, but she shut her eyes and trusted in God who could bring all things to pass, even though common sense were against it. And because she had believed, God did to her as he had said. She was indeed troubled at first and inquired, How can these things be, seeing that I do not know a man? She was flesh and blood, and for that reason the angel reassured her, saying, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you, and therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. We must both read and meditate upon the nativity. If the meditation does not reach the heart, we shall sense no sweetness, nor shall we know what solace for humankind lies in this contemplation. The heart will not laugh nor be merry. As spray does not touch the deep, so mere meditation will not quiet the heart. There is such richness and goodness in this nativity that it is if we should see and deeply understand, we should be dissolved in perpetual joy. Wherefore, St. Bernard declared that here, three, that here are three miracles. 
that God and man should be joined in this child, that a mother should remain a virgin, that Mary should have such faith as to believe that this mystery would be accomplished in her. The last is not the least of these. Mary's gift to us, not only the Christ child, I think, but Mary's gift to us on Christmas is hope. That against all common sense, that against all odds, in face of the impossible, Mary says yes. And in a time and a day when we are, so many of us are filled with such great joy, all of the emotions of this season come to the surface. And so there are those of us who are grieving, there are those of us who are sad, uh, holding all of these things together at the same time. On a night and a season of light, sometimes it can feel so dark. And Mary's witness to us is that God is born into this time, into this darkness, into this space. Mary holds the hope for us when we cannot hold the hope for ourselves. She says, in face of all she knows to the contrary, she says yes to God. Let it be with me and be with us according to your will. Amen.